I'm Harry Bridge. I'm Scott Mitchell. And this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. We are coming to you from the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. This is the Dharma Realm Podcast for February 1st, 2019, and today we are talking about what the Buddha might have taught. The last episode, I ended it with uh, my usual sarcastic quip about um, what the Buddha said, <laughs> um, specifically about things changing and Fear impermanence. And yeah. um, but we're going to use that as a way to start talking about what the Buddha actually said. How do you know? <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> this isn't a post-truth episode. <laughs> well, this is actually the, the, bigger, the bigger question is that, um, yeah, how do we know what the Buddha said? And, and I guess for me, the, the bigger, even bigger question is why does that matter? Hmm. How, you know, why does it matter that we know what the Buddha actually said? And this is sort of related to a cluster of different issues and thoughts that we're having um one of has one of which has to do with this um this this phrase that i've been seeing a lot lately um uh called early buddhism people are interested in early buddhism and i think that what they mean is um usually the the buddhism that you can find in the Pali texts so mm-hmm. the, the buddhism that existed around the time of the life of the buddha and maybe you know a few years thereafter, or maybe even a couple centuries thereafter. So before the development of Mahayana, before uh, Tantric Buddhism, before anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and people seem to be really interested in early Buddhism. Mm-hmm. They really want to know what all that was. And this isn't a new thing. No, 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 no. Right? No. This goes back to yeah, no, I, there's I different think aspects of this, right? Rice I feel like this phrase, early Buddhism, is, has become just more my awareness lately, mm. which I think is the same thing as like early Indic Buddhism or, mm. um, uh, in the scholarly world, people are using this phrase, um, the mainstream schools of early Indic Buddhism, which mm-hmm. refer to the, you know, the historical and the you know, Nikaya school. Yeah. The Nikaya way, schools, puts yeah. it in that yeah. canon, right. right the, or the, um, Pali canon being one of them. Right. But not the only one. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not something that, yeah. like, is a new thing that people are like, hey, I wonder what happened in the life of the Buddha. Like, that's something that's been around for a long time, but there's, right. it's just a, it, it been more in my awareness lately, people's, hmm. um, people's interest in that. And people still, like, really wanting that, maybe, too. Yeah. Right? Like, questioning, I, I guess part of it is kind of questioning the Buddhism that we have we quote unquote have now Mm -hmm. and some people may be feeling it's inadequate and that they want to go back to what the Buddha really taught. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, to me it's problematic for myself, um, but I I, I can, I kind of understand it too, I guess. Yeah. Why? Um, What do you understand? Tell me your thoughts. mm. (laughs) (laughs) That was deep. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I was being like Buddha. <laughs> I wouldn't speak about the whatever. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I mean, you know. I'm skeptical. Personally. I'm skeptical of um, what? That we can know what the Buddha, oh, quote oh, unquote, yeah. really taught mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because of the textual um, issues. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, so uh, I'm going to interject for a second. Mm-hmm. Um I I saw recently that Richard Gombrich, who's a very well-known uh, Buddhist scholar, you know, 
written tons of stuff. Um, he's also a um, expert in poly. He's got a new book out where he's he basically makes the argument that um, uh, the not only are the poly texts like the most authoritative, but the Buddha actually spoke in poly. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Because huh. to I, me, that's not the received, the more recent received wisdom. Yeah, that's why I was surprised right. that yeah. I saw this this yeah. book announcement. And he frames it as this is a controversial idea, and um, and I you know I have not read it. I'm not mm-hmm. an expert in mm-hmm. poly um, canon. You know, I'll I'll say all those caveats. Um, but like you, it surprised me because mm-hmm. it seemed to me that you know that's not the rest the um, accepted knowledge today that you know we we can't know what the buddha actually what language he actually spoke in right right, right? right, right. um the pali canon is a canon that existed a collection i'm sorry the pali texts are a collection of texts that existed in the same historical period as other texts and other languages mm-hmm. um and so the, the the written <clears throat> pali canon that we have now is like 500 years after the buddha yeah and, and it's a canon and uh you know by definition a canon is a an edited collection of material, which means that there are texts that are in Pali that are not in that canon. So, because mm-hmm. a canon is, you know, people come together and say, let's make a collection of stuff. And that means that they're going to choose this stuff and not this other stuff. That's what, that's what that word means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a fact, not a judge. <laughs> None of this post-truth. Anyway, so, uh, you know, it's a, it's a question, right? We do, Can we know... Mm-hmm. Can we know what language the Buddha spoke in, and can we know which what he what he really said? Is it even possible to know that in some definitive way? And and I think some people would unquestionably say yes, mm. we can know that, mm. and they'll have reasons for why these texts or those texts or this other thing is is the answer to that question. Mm. And there's like a it is that what you're skeptical about? No, there's there's one school maybe of of thought and of analysis that tries to look at the text that we have and look at all the different versions mm-hmm. right and try and figure out the the earliest layer and what's been added later and you know and they kind of recognize that you know this set of texts is, looks much earlier and um so like um Hajime Nakamura is one Japanese scholar mm-hmm. that I think um I I've been using his uh biography of Gautama Buddha um and what he does is he you know he try he tries to say well like it's for instance what's the content of Buddha's enlightenment mm-hmm. what actually was his enlightenment and that different texts give you different answers <laughs> you know and there's different versions is it 12 fold chain of causation or is that a later formulation of an earlier idea mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right is it um you know uh so so that that to me is really interesting and it, to me it kind of shows that much most of what we have of Buddhism of, of, you know, what we know about Buddha is much later stuff mm-hmm. kind of collecting and building on and changing and, you know, all of these different aspects of, you know, we take the Buddha's biography for granted a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is the the kind of clearly biogra- biographical or biographies, right, are much later. They weren't someone falling. It's not Ananda falling around and giving his biography of what he saw. It's collecting all these texts and all these stories and all these different things and and presenting them in different ways. And they're also different versions of Buddha's biography, right? And that like the the kind of rational one that we get maybe we're taught is, um, which isn't always that rational, right? Brahma still comes after he's enlightened and 
request three times that he teach and that kind of thing, right? There's all these kind of quote unquote mythical kind of elements, mm-hmm. but um, you know that kind of I think it's important to recognize that um, the the um, yeah that that you know we and and so this relates to another thing we were going to talk about is like we say well Buddha said this mm-hmm. or Buddhism is this or Buddhists believe this and that that's to me really problematic. Um, maybe for some people there's that wish that we could do that. Wouldn't it all be easier if we just knew what Buddha really said? Mm-hmm. Um, or if, you know, isn't, I remember, um, sometimes a question comes up, isn't there something that all Buddhists believe together? Nope. Yeah, really. <laughs> I think, well, I, not really. Yeah. And to me, that's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Why does there have to be? Why do we have to draw the battle lines? Okay, all Buddhists believe this. All Christians believe this. All, you know. That's that, because of the aliens. Yeah. Well, it, uh, Sorry. <laughs> Wrong episode. Go on. <laughs> complexity is scary. Not only is change scary, complexity is scary, too. People oh, yeah. don't like yeah, yeah. Um, People just, just tell me the answer. Mm-hmm. You know, well, um, I mean, that's that's what I was saying last time. Like the, the reason people like to have these narratives because they're comforting. It, mm-hmm. it explains the world in a simple way, and they don't have to deal with the complexity. Mm-hmm. But the real the real world is complex. Mm-hmm. It's messy, and Buddhism is complex and messy too. I mean, yeah. and and I think people um, people hate that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or they're not even aware of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So not that. So you know, and. and I think you and I, you and I are in agreement on this one. <laughs> you know, the, whether it's the you know what does Buddhism believe or what does Buddhism say or what did the Buddha himself say, you know, all of those those formulations are always they they betray a certain understanding, right? If you say, oh well, Buddhism is this mm-hmm. or Buddhism says this, you're you're constructing a sort of homogenous, coherent thing called Buddhism, and then giving it agency and saying that it's actually walking around saying things. And, you know, Buddhism can't do that. <laughs> Buddhism is a concept, right? It's oh. something that we sort of dreamed up in order to contain a whole bunch of messy, complicated stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, individual Buddhists have said, or a particular text says this about this, but, you know, Buddhism isn't walking around out there doing things. Yeah. Um, and even, we can't even know what the Buddha said, but we can know what certain texts say the Buddha said, mm-hmm. I think is... Or what different schools... right how different schools understand what Buddha said. Right. See, part of the issue is how Buddha taught, mm-hmm. too, right? That Buddha didn't come out with a coherent single message yeah. um, that he then said again and again and again for 50 years. No, he said five billion things for 50 years, <laughs> you know, different things, because that's how he taught, the mm-hmm. skillful means. that That's just kind of built in to his teaching method and, and built so, so to try and say, well, it's fundamentally it's this. No, nah. oversimplifying it and maybe robbing it of the what actually makes it special and important and um, helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I, you know, I think both of us, but certainly myself, I'm speaking as a Mahayana Buddhist. Um, and, you know, maybe that's part of the problem, too, when when people are faced with this issue of scholars basically feel that the Mahayana texts were written much later. Mm-hmm. Right. That's just kind of a fact for many yeah right um that they weren't spoken by the historical buddha that they were written later is kind of hard to deal with mm-hmm. um how do you understand that um and 
is it a lie? I mean, it's, it's, maybe that's kind of post-truth too, in a way. Maybe Mahayana one way. There's a great, there's a, there's a um, website called Buddha Quotes, fake Buddha Quotes, uh-huh. right? And in the about section or something, it says something like, actually, all of Mahayana could be kind of understood as fake Buddha Quotes. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Ouch. Right? But that's, that's hey, a- from a certain perspective, yeah, it's like it's all made <laughs> up by people mm-hmm. um, who are, you know, had a political agenda or whatever, didn't like the, the established schools and wanted to go off and do their own thing or whatever. I don't know. You know, you could come up with different reasons for it. Um, but I am a Mahayana Buddhist, so um, it is something you kind of have to... Um, yeah, so you're a fake Buddhist, is what you're saying. A post-Buddhist, <laughs> how's that? <laughs> well, I have some thoughts about all of that. Oh, please. <laughs> Yeah, I think an, an easy response to all of this is um, one thing. One thing that we can do is is, ignore, is um, sort of look at the history of the history of studying religion, particularly in the West. However, we want to define the West, um, and acknowledge that um, part of that history of studying religion was imposing certain Protestant Christian assumptions about religion onto other religious traditions. So, in Protestant Christianity, Protestant Christianity is founded by a person, the the historical Jesus, and there is a collection of texts that are important and provide the foundation for theology and philosophy and belief and whatever else. And so if you assume that religions have founders and if you assume that religions have texts and that the, the founder is an historical person and that the original teachings of that person are the most important thing and everything that comes later is a, um, a derivation or a degeneration if you that's your understanding of religion then it makes sense that when you look at buddhism you're like oh tell me about the historical buddha and what are the texts that contain his original teachings and clearly everything after that is less than right it's a later development and doesn't have the purity of that so i think one thing to do is just sort of be aware of that that set of assumptions and then sort of question okay are you interested in the historical buddha for those unexamined reasons and is that like the best way forward is another as, as a way to sort of just ask that question right but the other thing to do also is i think you know even if you leave that historical knowledge aside um is to ask the question of why we think that um the why the old stuff is better right like why do we value the old stuff as being more important than later stuff you know, let's assume for the sake of argument that the, you know, the Buddha is a, a human, an actual human being who had this really great, amazing revelation about the nature of reality and then passed those teachings on to other people. Why do we assume that later people didn't also have really great, amazing revelations about something and also had really good, amazing ideas that are valuable and worth talking about? And maybe they, um, maybe they put those ideas in, into those ideas into the mouth of the Buddha mm-hmm. by constructing later texts as one does in a, mm-hmm. <laughs> in a post-truth world. Or I don't know what. Um, but nevertheless, there still might be some value in that idea, right? Like why do we assume that, you know, that only the revelation of the Buddha or the experience of the Buddha is the thing that matters? Why do we assume that's the most important thing? Mm-hmm. Why can't later things also be important mm-hmm. or valuable or insightful or enlightening or whatever right mm-hmm. so there's also just sort of a, a, an interesting judgment there even if you leave aside the sort of mm-hmm. protestant critique there you know mm-hmm. like that's just sort of an interesting thing to check in with like why why do you think that the buddha is more important than buddha gosha who was a 
later Theravada thinker? Or why is the Buddha more important than Nagarjuna or Vasubandhu? Or I'm just going to throw out Genji. some names now. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, those are some things to... Well, it's interesting how it seems like many, some of the early Mahayana Buddhists felt that way. Mm-hmm. And so one way of looking at it is that they couched these new insights as Buddha Vajana, right? Mm-hmm. The words of the Buddha. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the Mahayana sutras that we get, um, like Pradajanyapadamita, the perfection of wisdom or pure land or, or um, Yogacara stuff, right? Um, Majamaka, um, well, Prajapadamita, let's call mm-hmm. it, as sutras, right? Yeah. Majamaka texts, like Nagarjuna's text, he's speaking as Nagarjuna, yeah. right? But um, but that's that's part of human nature too, right? And stuff that gets attributed to Nagarjuna or attributed <laughs> to Vasubandhu. And, um, right. Yeah, yeah. Does, is it because he spoke it that is important? Or is it the ideas found there? And did they come from true insight? Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so I've, a lot of times in my class, I... I I just come out and say it. I think that the history of Buddhism is interpretation, right? And that um, the way um, Buddhism has developed historically and all these diversity of Buddhism isn't a bad thing. It's an amazing thing. It's how Buddhism manifests itself in time, right? And if we just had the words of the Buddha, like it's kind of interesting. Actually, if you took what Buddha said as the only valid truth, then if you don't have an issue that Buddha asked about, then Buddhism is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Because you can only have what Buddha taught. And that's not how Buddha taught. Mm-hmm. Right? That he was teaching these true things to people based on what their issues were. Right? And so so we've kind of created, quote-unquote, Buddhism out of that. That got created out of that. Um, but it has to keep answering people's issues in new historical circumstances up until this very moment, mm-hmm. right? And so um, to me, that's the flexibility of Buddhism, actually. And maybe what Buddha originally taught isn't the most important thing, because maybe some of the issues I think are valid now, too. Mm-hmm. And like, I love the the li- expanded list of eight sufferings with having to be separated from those you love and having to be together with people you hate. I mean, thinking <laughs> of that, that just sounds like it works just right now, right? But it worked 2,500 years ago too, you know, or 2,000 years ago or whatever. Yeah, people yeah, have yeah. always had to be stuck with people they don't like. People are always and, having family dinners with the crazy uncle. <laughs> <laughs> or co- coworkers or, you know. Right. Um, um, so, right? So it's kind of interesting. In one way, maybe some of the issues are the same. Mm-hmm. But in another way, maybe some of the issues are completely different. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if, if it's only what Buddha originally taught is what's valid, then it can't speak to us today necessarily, mm-hmm. or only on certain things that are perennial issues and yeah. not new issues that we've come up with. So, so this, the, I want to go back to, um, um, based on that, I want to go back to fake Buddha quotes. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come in defense of them. Uh-huh. Sort of. Even the ones we get in the email? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the Mimi ones, and it's like, live long and prosper, and it's a picture of Picard or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I'm, I'm getting this idea from Natalie Cooley, who's another teacher here and a um, scholar. Um, so I, I, I'm inspired by her. I'm probably going to misrepresent what she's saying, but I'm also, um, I'm also sort of going back to what you're saying about the life of the Buddha. 
Um, what's interesting to me about the the life, the sort of biographies we have of the Buddha, most of the really early ones were not written were not written in canonical languages or written in vernacular languages, mm-hmm. right? They were stories that were made up by people in Laos or Burma or wherever, and they were writing in their native languages uh, a sort of you know fun story about the historical Buddha to be told to people to just sort of get the basics, right? It wasn't the um, the hardcore doctrinal sutras or the mm-hmm. Abhidharma or whatever else, right? Um, and as you were saying, like those um, those those stories are m- a mixture of lots of different random things, some of which are probably historically true, some of which aren't, some of which are mytholo- mythological, some of which are factual, all that kind of stuff, which shouldn't be surprising because that's how people figure out how to learn about Buddhism, right? You take this idea and you interpret it, in, in your word, or um, repackage it in a way that makes sense to different people in different times and different places. Because none of us are living in in ancient India, <laughs> right? So in some ways, those early biographies of the Buddha are also fake Buddha quotes, right? They're, they're made up stories about the Buddha, but they're sort of, they're told in a vernacular that makes sense to the people who are telling the stories. So I think that what's happening today, right, is that, whether it's fake Buddha quotes or it's, you know, the work of popular Buddhist writers, um, you know, people are basically interpreting Buddhism once again in a way that makes sense to people today, mm-hmm. right? And it's not the word of the Buddha, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's invalid, right? Because mm-hmm. we have to interpret the words of the Buddha into a, a way that makes sense for us today because, you know, like you were saying, if, if he doesn't talk about it, then it's irrelevant. But people want to know what the Buddha might have said about something that he didn't talk about, right? So then it becomes like this, our own vernacular interpretation. And yeah, it's, it's fake. The Buddha didn't actually really say that. But then again, does that really matter, right? Not necessarily that we should just, you know, blindly listen to whatever fake Buddha quote pops up in our emails from <laughs> our, you know, crazy Aunt Sue or whatever. But <laughs> But to sort of just recognize that this process of, interpreting and reinterpreting and repackaging and, and you know, reapplying and whatever you want to call it is, is what Buddhism Buddhists have always done to make Buddhism relevant in different times and places. And, you know, just chill out. But, but <laughs> when does that get into post-truth? And when do we, to go back to our previous episode, right? Where, where do we draw the line where it's okay to say that Buddha said anything? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's that's to me one of the difficulties, right? And so, um, that, and that's where I like the critis, critical aspect of Buddhism to mm-hmm. to not blindly accept anything that we're taught, sure, right? And to try and examine it and try and and I think that that's partly maybe what Buddha was talking about when he says, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay that I'm not going to be here anymore. That Dharma is going to be your guide, yeah, right? Well, and that you have to encounter this truth, yeah. Um, and then teach it, you know, so that's why Shinran's teachings, I mean, a lot of people criticize Shinran for the way he reads, that he's misreading the text, mm-hmm. and he's doing stuff you cannot do with language. And it's like, well, but that maybe or maybe not. Maybe it's okay. But then how far can we manipulate language? I can say anything I want. No, you can't. 
I won't let you. Okay. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll be the fascist who you know, controls you with my own manipulations. Well, I was, but I think it, it, this isn't necessarily a, a full answer to that question, but I think that you brought up the word Buddhavakana earlier and you said Buddhavakana, the word of the Buddha. And that's not what Buddhavakana means. There's no the in there, right? Mm-hmm. Buddhavakana means, you know, word Buddha, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is another way of saying that a text is considered to be Buddhavakana if it has the quality of Buddhahood, not the quality of the Buddha. Mm-hmm. And if we think about that distinction, it's an important distinction. When we say the Buddha, we usually mean Shakyamuni Buddha or Gautama Buddha, right? We usually mean a specific um, person. But Buddhavakana doesn't reference the Buddha. It just says... Buddha, right? So a text has that quality of Buddha-ness, whatever that might be, and then we can have a whole long debate about what that might mean and how we interpret it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's important to recognize that what would what, one way to respond to that would be like you can't just say anything. Something has to have a certain quality, right? And, and has to have a certain resonance with Buddhavakana, whatever that might mean. So there there might be a way to construct a sort of uh, Buddhist standard or whatever, a mm-hmm. theological standard for evaluating things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that would be grounded within the tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know what that would be because I'm, I'm a cynical old man, but <laughs> well, it'd be difficult, different. I mean, it'd be different for different yeah, schools. Different traditions, yeah, different, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Which is, I think yeah. the other thing that we're driving at in this episode is that there's no single Buddhism. There's yeah. lots of different schools and, you know, Jodo Shinshu might come out and be like, oh, well, this is definitely, uh, an, 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 this this fake Buddha quote is definitely wrong, but this mm-hmm. fake Buddha quote is totally okay. Mm-hmm. It has the right, you know, it's not, the Buddha didn't actually say this, but it has the right sentiment, mm-hmm. so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Theravada Buddhists will come in and be like, no, 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 they're both wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or the opposite. Or the opposite, yeah. Because right. um, there's different schools, and different mm-hmm. schools have different takes on things. Because mm-hmm. there is no truth. <laughs> Give up. <laughs> And went dark there at the end. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I think you know, and I think that's part of the confusion of getting into Buddhism too is because there are all these different understandings, and the easy way out is say, "Oh, four noble truths, eightfold path—that's Buddhism," or Buddhism is simply about suffering and the end of suffering and end of story. No, there's so much more to it than that, mm-hmm. and um, but that's difficult, you know, and uh, that's part of what we're about. Trying to make it more difficult. <laughs> no, trying to, that's the tagline for yeah. this show. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. We're gonna make everything difficult and not give you any answers. <laughs> I feel bad when people come up to me after a, a, I talk or something. She goes, "I'm more confused." <laughs> I'm sorry. Or good. Maybe the better answer is good. Because if you weren't confused before, maybe that was a mistake. Mm. Right? That maybe... You're dropping some wisdom again. There. Yeah, right? Maybe thinking you get it. And then when I talk, I throw... To make people confused because... But I don't think I'm deliberately trying to confuse things. But I think maybe I'm talking about things in a different way than previous ministers have. Or that my assumptions of what people want to hear or what people need to hear are different um that my incorporation of quote-unquote general buddhist which to me is a lie in itself but you know there's this whole idea of general buddhism there is no general buddhism what you know but that's a myth to, to think again that there's some just kind of in the air there's this is buddhism and then we can if we can find what that is 
everyone but, will be happy. Yeah. Um, but very often I find that those, to me, go against what Shinran taught. Um, and that there is a way to understand them in the context of what Shinran taught. Uh, but that uh, Shinran's really kind of specific and different. And um, that's, to me, what makes it fascinating. But it's kind of what makes it complex, too. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's I kind of like how Nembutsu as the, the um, easy practice and yet so complex, so <laughs> difficult. Right? Um, Super hard. That's the lie. That it's easy? Yeah. Yeah. Until you get it. Maybe if you get it, then it becomes, you realize from the other perspective. But until you get there, I don't know. I don't know. You, wait, you, you mean you're not there yet? I'm not going to say anything. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs>